Well, I just got a note from a gal who says, Dan, I've been let go, and I'm in a total state of shock right now. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, this is where we deal with tough questions. Those real-life questions that confront us in a changing workplace where we take 48 minutes every week and unpack those looking at ways we can all raise our level of success, ways we can do more, have more, go more, and be more. That's what we're going to do. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at today. Well, I just found out this morning I was let go from my government position. What do you do when you're let go unexpectedly? Don't have a backup plan. We'll talk about that. How many members should a mastermind have? I continue to get a lot of questions about masterminds. Got some things I want to share about that. Some recent experiences I've had with masterminds. Dan, after years of searching and always knowing God has given me talents that are not being utilized to their fullest potential, I believe I have finally found what makes me happy. Rock and roll. What a great place to be where you figure that out. Now, here's one. This is really interesting. Somebody says, well, I've kind of paraphrased it. Are there enough potential customers for one more self-help motivational messenger like Dan Miller, Michael Hyatt, Andy Andrews, and others? <laughs> Have we saturated the world with uh, the potential candidates, customers for messages like a lot of us are sharing. Well, we'll have some fun with that. Now, here's our quotation for today. And this comes from another question that I've got concerning the upper limit challenge. You've heard me talk about that. Got a great question that I want to address about the upper limit challenge. Now, here's a quotation. We're going to use this for a quotation today. This comes from Gay Hendricks, who wrote the book, The Big Leap, where he really identifies this upper limit challenge. And he says this, each of us has an inner thermostat setting that determines how much love, success, and creativity we allow ourselves to enjoy. When we exceed our inner thermostat setting, we will often do something to sabotage ourselves causing us to drop back into the old familiar zone where we feel secure. Now, none of us would want to admit that we actually have that, but we see it played out again and again. It's probably easier to observe in other people than yourself, but you know, what if, what if you are somewhere you're wearing a shirt and somebody says, man, that's a really beautiful shirt you've got. Oh man, this whole thing, I got it at Goodwill, paid 50 cents. You know what you've done? You've just identified your upper limit challenge. Instead of saying a gracious thank you, accepting this as a compliment, you just destroyed the person's compliment to you by bringing it down to a level that you think you deserve. Well, I'll give you some more examples about how that, how that is played out. Well, we got some things coming up here. As you know, we have one more open event this year we've got a couple that are closed to people who are already involved in different things we're doing but our open event is coaching with excellence most popular event that we do we have one more this year it'll fill up and then some of you'll be begging to get in last minute 
It's August 25th and 26th. So a little more than a month out. You got plenty of time to register for that. But get in if you want one of those 48 seats that go pretty quickly. If you're interested in being a coach, here's something you can do to kind of stick your foot in the water. Do you have an area of expertise that people are already asking you about? Of course, that's one of the qualifying questions that I always ask people when they say, can I be a coach? Are people already coming to you asking for your advice and opinion on something? If they are, we can probably help position you as a coach. If nobody has ever done that, then now, you know, let's look at some other options for you. It's probably not going to be a good fit. But if people are already coming to you asking for your advice and opinion on a particular topic, yeah, chances are you could be a coach. And that could be on gardening. It could be on fashion, how to dress. It could be on speaking. It could be on getting your life together, finding your passion, being a great mom or dad. You know, lots and lots of issues, areas of expertise that people can position themselves as coaches in. But here's the deal. If, now, if you have a lot of people that are aware of you out already asking for your opinion, your question really may be, how do I get paid for this? Yeah, people are wearing me out. You know, every time I go to church or a community event or after work, you know, people are crowding around, wanting my opinion, getting my advice. How do I turn it into money? I got, I got a little resource for you. Got a PDF, 10 tips for getting your first coaching client, or I just walk through a simple process, 10 tips for getting your first coaching client. If you go to 48 days.com slash clients, you can get that. It's just a free resource, but it'll help you identify, you know, are you really a candidate? And if you are sure, Hey, we'd love to see you here for coaching with excellence. The next event we've got that that is open will be in February of 2017. That's the Ultimate Advantage Cruise. That's always a really stellar event. We only do it once every other year. And we're going to have that. Our theme this year is going to be living well, doing good. That idea, the old idea that, well, if I really want to do good in the world, you know that I'm going to have to live on what, you know, Dave Ramsey calls beans and rice, rice and beans. No, you can live well and do good in the world. As a matter of fact, you can do more good if you are living well. You can serve better out of a full cup. So we're going to have fun with some of those issues, talk about them. I got people like Aaron Walker, Dr. Chris McCluskey as speakers on there, as well as Joanne and me. But living well, doing good, the crew's coming up February 2017. Just go to 48days.com, check out live events, get more information about that. Connect with my buddy Chris Niemeyer. He's our cruise director. He can give you more information about that and get your space reserved. Now this comes from, and this, this wants to be anonymous here. Okay. Then your podcast and 48 days.net helped me transition into a full time business in a niche market. I love now incidentally, I, I don't say right at the outset here. I have mentioned last week that I get a lot of requests for doing just a success podcast just success stories. I'm thinking about that. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And if I really want to do that, if I want to add one or if I want to have just once a month, have the podcast be just success stories, not sure, still playing with that. And frankly, today I've been kind of backlogged on questions that have come in. So I'm not going to do any of those. So I'm going to go right into questions that are coming in. Just a little bit of change here. That's one thing you can count on. I'm not going to keep it the same 
I just got back from a couple events where we talked about podcast and I've got a lot of new ideas for things that I want to do here. Okay. Let me go back to the question. I started your podcast in 48 days.net helped me transition into a full-time business and in niche market. I love as a freelancer. I've published my first book, written many articles, created web content for a major company, set up a website and traveled to speak. Question. One company wants me to expand my role with a monthly retainer to perform additional work. They are asking me to commit to a specific number of days per month and propose a fee for services based on a daily rate. I would like more than the daily rate I'm currently paid based on the increased scope of work and the responsibilities of this commitment. I've been asked to propose my idea of a fair fee. You have any guidelines or tips for negotiating? Thank. Okay. The fact that they want you is awesome. I mean, that's where you can then begin negotiating. I mean, you can't go in and negotiate a fee before they even decide if they want you or you want them. Just like in getting a job, you don't discuss salary until they've decided they want you and you want them. Then you have a great position from which to negotiate. Same thing is true here in what you're describing. They want you. Now you can negotiate something that'll work for both sides. When you are being paid a day rate, it's going to look a lot different than if you're being paid hourly. So if you were being paid $20 an hour and you're working 40 hours a week, that's $800. Okay. So there's that. I mean, that's um, a kind of compensation method that a lot of people are used to. That's going to mean that in a day, if you're making $20 an hour, that in a day you're making $160. If you go to some kind of a compensation plan where the company only needs you four days a week or a month, rather, you would not expect to be at the $160 a day rate. It would be something different. In that case, it may be 250 or 350 or $400 even. It's going to be a multiple of what you would do there. Just like if you were a graphic designer and you're being paid $30 an hour in your normal job. If you went out on your own, you would be foolish to continue charging $30 an hour. If you go out on your own from being paid that in an hourly position, you're probably going to charge 60 or $70 an hour. It's just kind of the formulas for how that works. So if they want you in this kind of a position for four days a month, negotiate what would make sense for you. Usually in this kind of a position, they want you available for four days. That doesn't mean that they're going to have you sitting at a desk from eight to five for those four days. It may just mean knowing that you're available up to that amount of time. So usually on a retainer like that, we may set something up where you're available for up to four days a month, and it's going to be $2,000 a month retainer. Based on what you're talking about, where you're writing, creating web content, I would think that would be a reasonable kind of landing point. What that's going to mean is $500 a day. Now, that's certainly reasonable in that space. When you think about somebody who is a consultant, if somebody comes in as a consultant, likely their fee is going to be $3,500 or $5,000 a day to come in for a particular area of expertise. But if you're going to lock in and commit to five to four days a month, based on the kind of skills that you're talking about, where you are an accomplished writer, written articles, web design or web content, speaking, perhaps even for the company. Yeah, you know, maybe $2,000 a month. 
but it's something that you have to be comfortable with, something you would be excited about, and then you just negotiate. Now, Annie put a note up, sent it to me, and also put it on 48days.net. I wanted to share it here because I was so astounded, amazed, flabbergasted, and impressed with the feedback that she got from other listeners, other readers immediately. Annie's the one who said, Dan, after attending Innovate just two short months ago, I was working hard in my side hustle when I just found out this morning I was let go from my government position. I wasn't given a very specific reason other than my lack of communication with other workers, but the office politics prevailed and I'm out. I don't want to dwell on it. What's done is done, but I'm in a state of shock right now. I don't know what to do. I don't have savings or a spouse's income. I know I'll qualify for unemployment for a bit and my parents will help me out some, but I'm terrified, absolutely terrified. I don't know how to work out for health insurance because it ends in two weeks for me. Do I apply for a stopgap job or do I work full throttle on my freelance writing, editing business? Even if I did work on my business, how does that work with unemployment? Any words of encouragement would help. Thanks. Well, she got feedback immediately. And I want to share a few of those because I'm just, it just speaks to, it speaks to that concept I talk about a lot where rising tide raises all ships. The key word for success today is not competition, it's collaboration. And Annie immediately had people reach out with some awesome advice that she can use in this unexpected, unwelcomed opportunity. Jen McDonough jumped in immediately. You know, as far as insurance, have you checked with your human resource director where you work to see if you can have your insurance extended, maybe through a COBRA type plan? I would do this ASAP. If there's no way to extend it, have an insurance broker shop around for a high deductible HSA. That may be a wise thing to do. Let me just park there a minute because that's a big question and a lot of people address that, you know, not having insurance. Now, I know that there's a lot of upheaval, a lot of volatility in that space right now. I'm not an expert in that area, but there's a whole lot of options that you can choose from. But yes, typically when you're let go from a company, let go from a position, you have an option to extend up to 18 months through Cobra. Now you may have to pay a premium or part of a premium during that period of time, but they don't just dump you after two weeks and make you exposed and vulnerable with having no insurance. So surely that would be something to explore immediately. If you are going to develop something on your own, your own freelance business, then certainly you need to make sure that you've got a plan in place for insurance on an ongoing basis. That could include an HSA, a health savings account. It's some one of those things, a wonderful option available for entrepreneurs where you put aside a certain amount of money every month. That money is comes right off the top of your income and is not taxed. So it's tax deferred to go into that account. Then if you need that for medical expenses, it comes right out of there. I mean, now you have major insurance with that as well. So, you know, it, it, just check it out. HSA, great plan. That would certainly be something to do. Jen continues, when I lost my totally secure job a few years ago, while we were paying off debt and dealing with a lot of medical expenses, we were scared out of our minds at the thought of how we were going to make it and fearful of losing everything. Long story short, I followed Dan's program to find a job that over 600 people went for during a downturned economy that paid 20% more than my previous job and had awesome benefits. 
doing Dave Ramsey's plan allowed us to use that job as a tool to pay off debt. Four years later, I went full-time into doing my own business. Now, that's Jen McDonough. You know her. She's my voice and ears and our cheerleader, our director at the 48days.net group. Uh, she has her own story. She got let go, went through that terrified, scary time, and ultimately made a plan for what, how she would work on her own, which she has done super successfully since then. Chet Schwarken says, Annie, your situation parallels that of a close friend of mine. I think his decisions and responses may be appropriate for you. Get a full or part-time job ASAP. Bear in mind, you don't have to enjoy it. You just need to get one. Uh, keep looking for a better full or part-time job. He got his insurance with Christian Healthcare Ministries, which is a Dave Ramsey recommendation. I believe there are plans as low as $45 a month. Now, there's a whole bunch of those out there, like Good Samaritan and others, where it's, it's kind of a sharing program and makes their premiums really reasonable. Do these two things, and by Thursday or Friday, you're wondering why you got us so excited. And the best part is that a year from now or sooner, you'll actually be thankful you were let go. I've never let, met anyone who within a year of being let go was not thankful for how it impacted their life. Keep us posted. That came from Chet. Now, the, the interesting thing is, Annie, you know, you, you came to innovate. You came full of ideas, full of things that you'd like to pursue on your own. The government job was just a stopgap for you anyway. It wasn't where your passion was. It was just a way to pay the bills. So it may have just up, up the ante a little bit, up the timeline a little bit in terms of moving you into doing what you want to do on your own. Now, before I go there totally, I want to just share some other ideas that people submitted. And I want to do this because there's a whole lot of you at any given time who have are experiencing exactly what Annie did. You just lost your job. It was unexpected, unwelcome. You're terrified, panicked, not sure what you're going to do. And usually the reaction that I see is just like Annie's describing. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to move back in with my parents. I'm going to be you know, homeless. Um, I'm going to have to give up my car. I'm not going to be able to go on vacation. I mean, I know those are the initial thoughts that go through your mind. But as Chet says, in retrospect, there's a whole lot of people who say, you know what? That was the best thing that ever happened to me because it prompted me to look at new options and move me into a higher level of success than I've ever experienced. Now, Marcy, Marcy Travis, one of our um, certified 48 days mastery coaches. She says, I'm a government employee as well. I'm a career coach. You live in a different state than I, but I assume there are like resources available to you where you live. Now, Marcy offered some things. Now, she's in human resources in a government agency. So she has some insights that I certainly wasn't aware of. There's one here that I really want to point out because I think it's amazing uh, benefit. All right. It's number three. Number one, she says, file for unemployment. That should connect you with a career center in your area. You don't have to wait. And she goes through that. Number two, yes, continue to move forward on your dream. That doesn't mean you still can't seek employment in the meantime. A lot of people talk about, yeah, continue with your dream, but you can still jump right back into a job. But here's number three that Marcy shares that was, uh, was news to me. Usually on unemployment insurance, there may be a provision for starting your own business. Be upfront with them about this. Now, my, my thinking has always been, yeah, go ahead and start your own business, but you know, don't pretend that you aren't starting a business and just stay on the dole, the government dole for a long time with unemployment, even while you're making money on your own. That's unethical. Don't do that. You got to tell them as soon as you're making money and that'll drop off your unemployment. 
However, it appears I may have been wrong on that. Marcy says, usually in unemployment insurance, there may be a provision for starting your own business. Be upfront with them about this. In my state, there is a self-employment option where if you're accepted, you can collect your 26 weeks of unemployment benefits while you're starting a business. There are some required classes that you take as part of the program, but most can be done online. Again, I'm speaking from a different state, but I'm sure you have something similar. That is amazing. I didn't know there was that option that they'll let you legally draw 26 weeks. It's half a year, six months of unemployment while you're starting your own business. My gosh, what a cool deal that is. Well, thanks Marcy for sharing that. And thanks for passing that on to Annie. And then she says, number four, try to look at this as an opportunity for change. I know easy for me to say, but I've been through it a couple of times and seeing the silver lining can often get you through another day. I recently wrote an article on keeping your focus during tough times and I've linked to it here. I hope it is of some comfort to you. Now, if you're interested, if you're in a situation like Annie's describing, you know, jump on 48days.net, find this discussion where she talks about what happened to her and, and she titled her post, The Road Unexpectedly Forked, <laughs> which is a great opening, The Road Unexpectedly Forked. Well, and then so these are people who are offering her advice. A couple more. Pete Hedrick said, um, get, to expand on what Jen said, definitely get Dave Ramsey's book, The Tonal Bunny Makeover. Do a budget. Work harder than you ever had. Get up earlier. Brush your teeth. Get to work every day. That might not be getting up and commuting to that old job, but keep a schedule. Interviews, side hustle, exercise, part-time job that you don't like, whatever it is. Stay diligent with your time. Don't fall into the trap of a nap or the DVR, daydreaming or missing your old job. And then he says, yes, get a stopgap job. Peter Adele says, sorry to hear about this, but I believe that down the road, even if it is not apparent now, you will be thankful for this. I lost my job one week after my honeymoon. Not ideal and don't recommend that for everyone, but I appreciate the lessons I learned through it greatly. Always. Anyways, yeah, I would get another job and he goes on from there. And then I added just a little note because there was so much wealth of wisdom that was already given to Annie. I didn't feel like there was a need to do much more. I said, you've gotten some great advice here already. I would encourage you not to see unemployment as any real part of your plan. It may be a very short-term help, but certainly not something you want to depend on. Begin immediately to plan the next six months. Can you project that your freelance work could grow to be your full-time income? If you can see that happening in six months, then devote yourself to it fully. If not, then begin immediately to look for your next job. See, what, what a lot of people do is they take the unemployment and see that as a band-aid and are not really aggressive about finding another option. And so they just count the times, the weeks that that will be available. That's why I am not a proponent of extending unemployment because what we find if people have unemployment benefits for 26 weeks, they get a new job within 26 weeks. If we extend unemployment to 52 weeks a year, it takes them 51 weeks to get a job. It's just that connection. Now, it was originally intended to be six weeks, six weeks. That's how it was set up originally. That worked really well for a long period of time. If people have six weeks of unemployment, they get a job. 
in a six weeks period. So I think we artificially extend the time by extending the benefits. Now I'm sure there'd be some who don't agree with that, but that's just how we observe that it actually plays out. Well, great question. Thanks for sharing with us, Annie. And again, thanks to all of you who shared so quickly on that in the 48days.net community. Well, I time to take a quick breath there and just to remind you, yeah, you're listening to real life questions coming in from people like you who are struggling with those real life issues or uh, experiencing the new opportunities that we find out here in the workplace. We want to hear both. you got a success story. We certainly want to hear that. If you have a question like Annie's or something else, we want to hear that as well. Uh, just go to the 48days.com site, click on Ask Dan. You'll see an opportunity there to do that. Or as you know, you can just send an email to askdan at 48days.com. Now, Renee Murphy has a question on masterminds. Well, let me, let me just play your question and then I'll respond a little bit and bring you up to date with some things that we've got happening in mastermind concept in our community. The couple of questions that I have in regards to starting a mastermind group include what is the ideal number in a group? And I know that may vary from group to group, but what seems to be the most successful, a smaller group of six or a larger group of 12 or 20? I'm also curious as to which might be the most successful to include local members only where you can meet face to face weekly or to also include members nationwide where you might meet via Skype weekly or um, to vary those meeting dates and locations. Any insight would be very, very helpful as I begin to start my own mastermind group and surround myself with those who will make me so much better than what I am today. Thanks. Well, thanks for your question, Renee. I love how you ended that. You want to surround yourself with people that will make you better than what you are today. I mean, that, that's what a mastermind is all about. I want a mastermind to be filled with people who have just as much ability to contribute as they do need to receive. So it's not just one directional, but where we all help each other and where we have, where we love each other enough to not allow each other to stay the same, where we are growing together. Now as to your questions, the number of people, there's a lot of experimentation going on with that. Historically, we've always seen masterminds be maybe eight, 10, or a maximum of 12 people. I was part of masterminds for years and years where we never had more than 12. And there was one that Dave Ramsey and I started years ago and we had 12 people in that, 12 guys for years. That's just the way it was. I mean, the only way you could get in is if somebody died or left because it was never more than 12 people. And the mastermind I currently have, I'm experimenting with a larger group. We have 36 people in my mastermind. And what we have found, we had an extraordinary call just this week about the dynamics of the group that we have. And what we found is that people have formed many groups within there as a particular need arises. So if somebody is just starting a new business, they may draw in four people from the larger group who have clear experience in building major businesses. Or if they need help in raising money, they'll draw in people into a smaller group where they meet for maybe a month while they work on a particular issue. 
I love to see how that's happening. It's happened pretty organically. We haven't structured that a lot. But what having a bigger group has given people more resources for any particular topic. So if somebody's working on a technology issue, they can identify three or four people who are really highly experts in that. And so I think it gives us more of a body of resources by having a larger group. Can we all just sit down together and have a conversation around a table? That's a little more challenging. There's no question about it. Now we have a Tuesday call every week where we're on zoom and usually we have about 80% of the group, the entire group on there, you know, with traveling schedules and all of that, it's never a hundred percent, but it's usually 80, 85% of the people are on there. So there's quite a few people on there. So usually we're at, you know, 25 people or so that still works really well. We can have a topic of discussion and still everybody has a chance to share. Uh, We can have a guest presenter, where we may have four or five questions from the group and the rest of the time they're just listening. But that, that seems to work really well. And that kind of addresses the second part of your question as well, Renee. And that is, is it best to have people all together geographically so you can meet, see each other, break bread together, you know, or, or can you have people who are more spread out? I have elected to have people who are more spread out because we can have people who fit a tighter niche in terms of characteristics that we're looking for. So instead of forcing the fact that somebody has to live within 15 miles of where I live in Franklin, Tennessee, as an example, I can have somebody who's in Seattle or in Houston or in Miami or New York because of the way we connect, the way we do things together. We do get together three times a year. That doesn't seem to be an obstacle. People would like to be a, have it be more than that even where they do come here to Franklin. So yeah, I, I'm a big believer in having a clear identification of what you're looking for in a target member, but then having it open to people that may not live in your local community. I think it makes a richer, tighter group in that way. What, what I look for, I mean, I, I look for people who are, and we, we ask our members just recently, you know, what they expect in other members. And we got these kind of characteristics described engaged, honest, listener, transparency, generous, entrepreneurial, teacher, creative, encouraging, action taker, learner, disagree with respect, self-aware, high emotional intelligence, flexible, ambitious, but humble. I mean, I love the kind of things that we got back in characteristics that they want to see in other mastermind members. Incidentally, I do still have that short course on how to create your own mastermind. I'm put it up on Udemy. It's interesting. We used to have a PDF available, just the PDF of that for $17. And we went, we sold thousands and thousands of that. I pulled it back in and created a full course on it with video that goes along with it as well. Put it up on Udemy for $48. However, Udemy does whatever they want to do. And I notice it right now it's at $12. So, Hey, whatever. I mean, it's totally fine, but you, you can find it easily there. If you go to Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y.com, it's a place where there's all kinds of course content and just put in the search bar mastermind. You'll see it come up immediately. Dan Miller mastermind, how to create your own mastermind group. Yeah, it's 12 bucks. So if that'd help you out, be delighted to have you take advantage of that as well. Thanks for your question, Renee. Jonathan says, I'm just starting a new podcast and want to find out the best way to select some artwork for the show. I'm going to be discussing films and poems that I write based on those films 
and want something that will catch people's attention in iTunes and other podcast directories. I'm terrible with design, but I don't have much in the way of funds to hire someone. I've been using Canva online and love it, but would like outside input on some designs I put together since the wisdom of crowds is often so useful. I have a poll up at filmpoems.com podcast where listeners can vote on their favorite and also enter to be a guest on the future episode of my podcast. Are there other ways of bootstrapping graphics that you know of? Yeah, there's a lot of ways of bootstrapping graphics. Now you mentioned Jonathan that you're using Canva. I mean, we we're big users of Canva. The graphic that you see on the 48 days site for every podcast is created using Canva. So it's really easy. But now there you have to create, you, you get a lot of things that you can choose from, but you have to create the design yourself. So if you want some outside help, you know, I would encourage you to do that. Incidentally, I, I have to mention, I, I looked at the graphics that you've got and yeah, I would definitely suggest that you get some outside help to make them more appealing. When, when you think about how people choose podcasts these days, and I, I was just at two events, new media, Europe in London, and then podcast movement in Chicago. Both of those had major awards shows. Well, when you're going through the nominees, I mean, just like on any TV show that you see, you're going through the nominees, it scrolls through the trailers or whatever, something that highlights that particular show. The same thing was done with these podcasts. Well, the podcast graphics vary dramatically, but when people go to Stitcher, which is what I use to select podcasts, you immediately see the artwork. And if it's not appealing, I'm not even going to give it a try. If the artwork is not appealing, even if the content may be great, it's hard to get past poor graphics. So yes, invest in great graphics, but also be careful about your title, film poems. I mean, it's, it's hard to say that. Those two words don't go together well. It's very difficult to even say them, film poems. You have to really complete one word before you I would suggest you look at a new title because I don't think that title is appealing. I think there's got to be something else, you know, poetry in motion or something that you could use that would liven up the title. But let me just go back. I'm a mess and where you didn't ask me to mess here now, but if you're looking for art, contact the art department of local college, nearly have 25 kids that jump on it and give you some great designs. I mean, you can do that for nothing. You can use Fiverr. F-I-V-E-R-R. I mean, we use them a lot. Literally, it's $5. You can go on there. You can pull out. You can see somebody's work. So you can see that they're doing really cool graphics. And you just tell them what you want. Five bucks, and you can get that done. Now, what I really recommend is one of the more robust design sources. We use 99designs. 99designs. If you just go to 99designs.com, you'll see the options there. You can choose the kind of packages you want. You can choose a, where you award $299. That's the basic bronze version. And with that, you're probably going to get 30 to 50 designs. That's a lot of talent. Now, when you up the dollars, if you go up to $499, you're going to get 90 designs. But when you think about the life of a product or a podcast, I mean, we've used that for like right to the bank. So I think with that, we may have done like the $500 package. We got artwork that is just stellar. I mean, artwork that you would expect to pay $5,000 for, but it comes from just putting it out on a site like 99designs. The other one I would suggest is Crowdspring. Crowdspring.com. 
there are a lot of New York Times bestselling books where the cover was done through resources like CrowdSpring. So, hey, I would recommend that you check those out. And yeah, invest something. I mean, when, when we're talking about starting a new business, don't expect to do it with a zero budget. I mean, be realistic. I mean, if you're going to start a lawn mowing business, you got to go down to Home Depot and spend a thousand bucks on a good mower to do that. You know, if you're going to wash windows, you have to buy a bucket and a squeegee. I mean, I know it's pretty easy. There's really no obstacles to getting involved in these businesses that are online and digital, but invest in doing it well. So you give yourself the advantage of quality. And I tell people, of course, in terms of your personal promotion or your personal development, rather, or building a business, you know, budget for it. I mean, budget 5% of your total income, you know, so even on a meager income, you're going to have $200, $300 a month you can invest, but expect to do that. Don't expect to grow something significant or meaningful if you aren't spending $250 a month right out of the gate to get it up and going. Um, If you're unable to do that, for whatever reason, unable to do even that, just stick with your job. But uh, don't, don't try to skimp on areas that are going to give you a quick payback if you do it with a little higher quality. Well, tough issues, I know, but um, and get, in, get in the game. Have a clear plan and then make it happen by investing in yourself and the process. Now, Jordan says, recently you talked in your podcast about the Upper Limit Challenge. Now, I mentioned this in, in the first, in the quotation that I read. It says, you even mentioned that you even have an upper limit. What have you found to be the most helpful in coaching people through getting them past the idea of an upper limit or to increase their upper limit? Are there any mental, emotional, or physical exercises that one could do to increase their upper limit? Thanks. Yeah, well, being aware, Jordan, being aware of it is the very first step. Recognize the little things you're doing that identify yours. Now, the quotation that I read from Gay Hendricks out of the book, The Big Leap, was this, each of us has an inner thermostat setting that determines how much love, success, and creativity we allow ourselves to enjoy. When we exceed our inner thermostat setting, we will often do something to sabotage ourselves, causing us to drop back into the old familiar zone where we feel secure. Now, an example I use a lot of times is, you know, we, we see somebody who's living in abject poverty but we see that they can run like the wind. We bring them to Nashville, Tennessee, sign them with the Tennessee Titans NFL football team, give them a $10 million signing bonus. And six months later, they've sabotaged their career beyond repair, spent the money and more and are back where they came from because their sense of deserving did not match the reality of what they were given. Now, Joanna and I've had some funny stories about helping ladies coming out of the Tennessee prison for women where we've done the same thing. We (laughs) see them coming out. My gosh, they come out with their prison sweats on, don't own a toothbrush or a stick of deodorant. And we help them into a very middle-class lifestyle immediately. And a lot of times they sabotage it because they've never experienced that. They're not ready for that. They have to grow into it slowly by moving up that upper limit challenge. And years ago, golly, this is a lot of years ago, probably 30 years ago, our church went together 
We were living in Bowling Green, Kentucky at the time. We went together and gave a brand new car to a single mom and her son. They were really sweet couple. I mean, you know, mother and son, but just sweet people. You know, always faithful there, smile on their face. But you could look at their house, I mean, where they lived. And, you know, the grass was waist high, sidewalk cracked, you know, windows unwashed. Well, we just were going to help them, and we got them a brand new car. It was a Chevy Cavalier station wagon. I can still see it in my mind. It was light blue. Well, within four months, it was dented, broken glass, wheel covers missing. They brought it down to a level that matched their sense of deserving. And we've seen that played out time and time again. Worry, blame, criticism, not keeping promises, deflecting compliments are all signs of upper limit challenges. Even things like, well, I'm doing pretty well, but man, I'm really worried about my kids getting hurt. Really? It's an upper limit challenge. It's like you don't deserve the success, the good life that you have. I mean, you hear people talk about, oh, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're anticipating something bad happening because life is too good. Are you serious? Those are signs of the upper limit challenge. So recognizing it, Jordan, is really one of the first steps and one of the best first ways to correct it. But we see it played out in, in ways like this. We have a lot of people coming through, you know, our events here who want to have, well, let's just take like coaching with excellence as an, as an example, who want to have speaking as part of their multiple streams of income. We show them how to do that, how to position yourself as a speaker. So they get in, they go out here, they send out 30 proposals and they get somebody that comes back and says, yeah, we really want you. We'll pay you $1,500, you know, come and do a, a message for us at this conference we've got coming up. And you know what? Just got your biggest speaking engagement. You show up at the hotel and you get up the next morning and you've come down with a cold sinus infection or you lost your voice. You know what? That's an upper limit problem. It's probably not a health issue. It's an upper limit problem. Danielle Laporte talks about that a lot. She struggled with that for years. Her biggest opportunities, she'd have laryngitis. She couldn't speak. Upper limit problem. It's a powerful, powerful concept. If you can identify it, then you can start to raise that upper limit. I mean, I've been working on mine for a lot of years. My goodness, I was raised, you know, we were extremely poor. I remember when we got one cow that we milked by hand. And then we got another one. We got, we're up to 12 cows we were milking by hand before we got any automated milking machines. So I grew up with that. But to go from that into the kind of opportunities that I enjoy today wasn't just a simple, okay, you know, now there was that. And then today I'm doing this. I struggled with that a lot. I mean, even with things like, well, the car's still working okay. Why would you conceivably go down and purchase a new car? Just for your own personal enjoyment, you can't do that. If it works, you got to just keep driving. I mean, I've struggled with that. And as you know, if you've been listening to me very long, you know I'm kind of a car buff. So I do drive nice cars and I rationalize it in all kinds of ways, I'm sure. But I do enjoy driving nice cars. But I had to work through my being able to enjoy that, driving nice cars. So anyway, great, great question. Uh, Jordan, and I hope that uh, if you really want a, a more thorough understanding of it, I encourage you to pick up the little book. It's the little paperback book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And he talks about that and give yourself some some ways to really understand it better. Well, a couple of this comes from Liz. 
says, after years of searching and always knowing God has given me talents that are not being utilized to their full potential, I believe I've finally found what makes me happy. I recently bought a large format printer and have been making and selling canvas prints. Simple Things Canvas Prints is the name I have chosen. I love enjoying the simple things in life and believe I can help others enjoy simple pleasures through displaying beautiful photos on canvas. My biggest hangup is confidence in finding enough customers. Where are they and how can I connect? I don't have a lot of selling skills, though I'm reading and trying to be better. What are some ways for a new business to get the word out? Identify who is your target customer, Liz. Is it an individual who's going to want one print or a photographer who can send you a hundred people? Where are they already having conversations? Are there Facebook groups, networking groups, places like, um, like Michael Hyatt's Platform University, where there's a lot of trust and collaboration, where you can share what it is you do and have access to you know 6,000 people who may be candidates for what you do. I mean, so look for things like that. And you can do that without having a lot of selling skills, without having to go out and knock on doors, pick up the phone, just positioning yourself in front of people who would be candidates for what it is you want to do. Sounds great. I love your concept. Hey, let me squeeze in one more. Dan, this is Mike in Orange Beach, and I have a really quick twofold question. My passion is to help others, and I've been dabbling and blogging and writing and wanting to gather all the information, help I can, but there's so much out there, it seems overwhelming. My favorites are Michael Hyatt, Jeff Goins, Pat Flynn, Andy Andrews, yourself, and several others. The problem is if I were to read each blog, listen to each podcast, and do every webinar, it would take every waking hour, and my discretionary time is minimal at best. I know you're a lifetime reader and learner, so how do you prioritize your time and determine where to focus your research and learning? The second question is, do you believe there's enough to go around people that need to hear your message? What I mean is it seems that your message along with the others mentioned is for the most part the same one. I feel like everyone is just being repackaged in one form or another. Isn't that the way it's always been? The one thing that gives me hope is that even though I consider myself yourself, Michael Hyatt and others, household names, most people, my work at online university in Orange Beach, Alabama have never even heard of you. No offense. That helps me to believe there's still plenty to be reached starting where I am. Your thoughts. Thanks, Mike. Well, (laughs) I love your question, Mike. Uh, Real quickly, let me address it. In terms of how much time, I allot two hours a day, no more. Two hours a day to reading, listening, Usually that's going to be an hour on the treadmill in the morning, listening to podcasts, and then an hour during the course of the day, reading other kind of content. But keep in mind, we've got three components, knowledge, understanding, application. A lot of people get stuck in knowledge. They just continue to listen to podcasts, go to conferences, read books, and they never move past accumulating knowledge to understanding an application. The second part of your question. Yes, there are plenty of people who can take advantage of your message. I mean, if we look at the people in the world, there's 7 billion people in the world. If I reached 100,000 people, I've now penetrated, it's like 0.000014 percentage of the people. I mean, if even 10% of the people in the world are candidates for my message, I now have 700 million prospects. I mean, let's get really realistic and say only one out of a hundred people is even remotely interested in my material and only 25% of the world's population speak English. 
that brings the pool of my prospects down to 17,500,000. I'm pretty okay with that. I mean, we were just in England for New Media Europe. People were there from 18 countries. And even though I was promoted as the opening keynote speaker, I would expect that maybe 10% of the audience had any knowledge of who I was. Now, here's the deal. In a sea of sameness, find a way to make your message unique. What's your USP? What makes you unique? Mine is 48 days. You can change your life dramatically in 48 days if you create a plan and act on it. That's my unique USP. I'm not just one more career coach, one more self-help messenger, one more motivational guy. I'm the guy who says you can change your life in 48 days. That's what you have to identify. Is there room? Absolutely. Come on down. Hey, Michael Hyatt, Andy Andrews, Dave Ramsey, Jeff Goins, anybody you mentioned, we'll help you. We'll help you be successful. We'll introduce you to our audiences. That's the way that we're all successful. Well, exciting stuff. Hey, thanks for the questions. Thanks for being part of this growing group of people who figuring this out. Yes, you can have work you love. And you can do it in one of two ways. You can either find it or create it. Yeah, work that is meaningful, purposeful. You know what's coming next. And profitable. You don't have to settle for less. Thanks for being part of this community.